Thanks. I'm glad to be here. And if I can get some help, there are some workbooks back there and some pens from my friends at Z88.3. I want everybody to have a workbook because we're going to talk about stress. Actually, we're going to talk about solving stress. But to kind of get you in the mood, turn to somebody next to you and say, you got stress. I mean, just, just go ahead and confront them straight up. You got stress. And then turn to somebody on the other side and say, you got more stress because you're sitting by me. Okay? Yeah. You got stress, I got stress, all God's children got stress. And today, what we're going to focus on, I don't know. All right, today what we're going to focus on, right, is breaking the microphone stand. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just move it. So today what we're going to focus on is the opposite of stress. Because I'm going to talk to you about a very old prayer, about a hundred-year-old prayer that helped me through some of the toughest times. And it's called the serenity prayer, right? Some of you may know it. Because what we're going to look at, and I brought with me from the kitchen this morning. I'm making my egg whites, right? Everybody gets a workbook. Everybody gets a pen from Z. And I want you to be able, to, from a visual perspective, to, to be able to see, right? Small measuring cup, or measuring spoon, measuring cup, Right? Your ability to deal with stress, my ability to deal with stress, is going to be based on which one of these you are using. If the cup of your life is full of faith, then the stress of life won't matter. Because you'll, you'll be able to do what I'm going to teach you today is the great replacement. Nobody wants stress. But you can't deal with stress on your own. In 12 steps, they call it a higher power. What I call it is a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, reverse that. What if I grew up in America? Actually, that's not proper English. I know there's some teachers here. Because last year, 2017, not making this up, uh, Webster's Dictionary added the term America. M-E-R-I-C-A. That is actually a legal word in the dictionary because I guess, I guess you know, you know, modern-day Americans are just, you know, we're too sophisticated or too lazy one to be able to say A. So, America, if you're a good American, right, you know, a good American, right, then the cup is how much stress you have in your life, how much worry, and this is how much. Well, I love Jesus, you know, especially when the Gators win. I mean, I love Jesus. Yeah, we love Jesus. Yeah. We're going to talk about how to test that. Because if this is how much stress you have in your life, and this is how much faith you have in your life, you're going to go into a stage called burnout. It's going to lead to some serious problems we're going to talk about. But remember, today's about the great reversal. What if instead of this being my faith, what if this was my faith? Because if, if your faith is bigger than your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, you'll get through it. So, as you take a look in your study guide, uh, as you'll see, I'll give you some percentages. When we think about worry, and uh, my background is in counseling, you know, when I tell people, you know, I've, I've been in counseling, Tom and I tell them, I've been in counseling for 35 years, they'll say, dude, you need a better counselor. I mean, seriously. 
you are not getting the results that you need. And I'll say, no, no, I am. And they'll go, oh, okay, well, still, you may want to get a different therapist because you need some help, buddy. So statistically, when we look at the data, and that's why I gave you a pen from Z, because I want you to write it down. Take a look at this. 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. Four zero. So I'm worried about something, and 40% of the time, it never even happens. 30% of the things we worry about are in the past. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe she did that. 30%, right? So I got 40%, 30%, 12% needless worries about our health. You know, what do you think this spot is? I don't know. What do you think it is? I don't know. Is it skin cancer? I don't know. 12% needless worries. And there's a simple solution for this. Instead of worrying about health or going on Dr. Google, very dangerous thing to go to Dr. Google. <laughs> you know, I'm going to type into Dr. Google, I have these symptoms on the internet, and the internet will tell you you have dengue fever, you're going to die. You know, or either that or you're pregnant. I mean, you've know, you, you, you got all these symptoms and, and you look it up on the internet. You will not like the results. 12% needless worries about health. 10% petty miscellaneous worries. What if, what, if, what if my company shuts down? And what if there's another recession? And what if the stock market, right? 10%. Because how does you or I worrying about the stock market make the stock market better? You know, it's like when I cheer for the Dallas Cowboys. I know they're going to lose, but I like them because I grew up with them and they won when I was a kid. And you always remember the team that you like when you were a kid, but I know they're going to lose, so I don't get my feelings hurt. You know, it's kind of like, Kind of like the grief management session I go to in downtown Orlando, Andy. Uh, and I do it about 80 weeks a year. It's grief management in a big building called Amway Center, Orlando Magic. And, and I just go in, and I know I'm going to grieve, and I'm going to cry, and I'm going to say, how come the salary cap is this? And how come LeBron went west? And all the powers in the west. So I know I'm going to grieve a little bit, but I'll feel better when it's done, right? 10% miscellaneous worries. Now listen, how much energy do you want to give up? to stuff that doesn't matter. Don't you want your energy for game day? Oh yeah, look at this, the last one, 8% of the things we worry about are for real, right? So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could start a conversation because I've given you some categories. What are you the most worried about today? I'm gonna read them for the video, but I just want you to circle any that apply to you, right? Are you worried about your finances, your job, your children, your marriage partner, death, taxes? other people's opinion of you, the future, things in the past, violence, crime, health, disease, old secrets, enemies, the government, I guess that should be a big one, right? Family members, your boss. Oh, look at the last one. Or are you most worried about your relationship with God? Isn't that interesting? Well, I worry about all this other stuff, but you know, Jesus loves me. You know, me, me and Jesus, I believe in Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in Jesus. But many times guys are really a bigger believer in, I got this instead of, no, you don't. So take a minute, see if you can figure out, I mean, there's some iron men of God here. What do you think men worry about the most? And I built in some time to do this. So turn to some guy next to you and say, you know, this is what I think is the biggest one. See if you can spot the biggest three things men worry about, go. And talk it over with the guy next to you. It's a good chance, and learn their name if you don't, learn, don't, don't, know, if you don't know their name, learn their name. What do you think of the three bigs?
I'd take about 30 seconds. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you would say, I think the number one thing guys worry about is money? Money, right? Yeah. Because I've talked to, you know, in 35 years of counseling, I've talked to thousands of guys. And when you ask them, you know, what's one thing that would solve your problems? You know, win the lottery, more money, a woman that doesn't spend as much money. I mean, sometimes I've heard that one. You heard about the guy who, you know, he, he was telling one of his buddies at a golf club, he said, you know, my wife's purse was stolen. Really? Well, you called, you called American Express, turned her credit card in as stolen. He went, no, the bad guys don't spend as much money as she did. I'm saving money on this deal. <laughs> so maybe when we think about, well, if I just had more money, right? Well, I've got stress, but if I just had more money, I wouldn't have to worry about stress. But wouldn't it be interesting if instead of more money, we said, man, I need more faith. You see, the last one I put on there is last because I don't think I've ever heard a guy tell me in my counseling office, yeah, I'm really worried about my relationship with God. Now, if they get cancer, they're really big on worried about their relationship with God. But it's kind of weird if things are sort of going good. I got this. I was one of those guys. Man, saving the world, saving the whales, hugging trees, doing whatever I could, make the world a better place. You know, just go out and help everybody. 2006, I was going to Iraq to work with troops during the surge. And the weirdest thing happened, a wonderful friend of mine, who's the on-purpose coach, Kevin McCarthy, came to my office. This was in about July, so about now. In 2006, came to my office, said, I'm going to bring you, what do you like? I said, tuna fish, bring me a tuna fish sandwich. He said, I got to talk to you. I thought, Kevin, what's up? Came to my office, closed the door. He said, Dwight, I'm worried about your health. I said, what are you talking about? You, you, we blocked in this time so you could tell me you're worried about my health? He said, man, you're running everywhere. You're not taking care of yourself. I'm just worried about you. I said, dude. Take a breath, take a pill. Nobody in my family's ever had a heart attack. No, I mean, I will live a long time. Thank you so much for your service, but get out of my office because I don't need this message. You see, the thing about an Iron Man is they're willing to confront something. So, shocker, on October 28, 2006, you always remember the day you have your first heart attack, right? Orange County Fire Rescue came and got me. Thank you, Orange County Fire Rescue. When he came to the hospital to see me, because I was there for a week, out of it for a few days, and I said, did you come to tell me I told you so? He said, no, I told you, I told you a couple of months ago. I came to tell you I love you, and I'm glad you survived. But I wish you'd take better care of your health. And what I learned is something that Dave Ramsey teaches. If you don't know the name Dave Ramsey, he's a financial guy. And Dave Ramsey teaches that if you even drive within one city block of a hospital, you will get a bill. And, and I'm not sure if that part's exactly accurate. But I got bills for months, and it just destroyed our credit. We had good insurance, but the co-payments on heart surgery was way more than I ever would have dreamed. And the helpless feeling of, how am I going to do this? We've got kids in private school 
trying to work at a Christian counseling center, trying to help my parents who were aging, you know, just help everybody, right? And sometimes I would be so scared and so alone that I would actually go to, to these two therapists. And I want you to know straight up, they sucked. But for a while, they were helpful. Uh, their names were Ben and Jerry. And they were, they were, they'd make you feel good in the beginning. I mean, it's like Chunky Monkey and, I mean, you know, fish food. And I'd feel good. And, 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 and it'd be Ben, thank you, and Jerry, thank you. And I'd, just, and I'd feel good. And then the next day, I'd feel terrible. They were just terrible therapists. And then a friend of mine said, you need to get a message. I said, what's that? He said, it's a paraphrase of scripture. I think it'll help you. And it did, and I wore it out. Because in James chapter 1 in the message, the writer, James, the first pastor in Jerusalem said, count it all joy when stuff happens to you. When trials happen, when tribulations happen, when trouble happens, count it all joy. Are you kidding me? I got problems. I got trouble right here in River City with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. I mean, I got problems. Well, I guess the theater's next door. I'll save that. <laughs> Count it all joy for problems? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because when you're able to see it spiritually, yeah, God will allow trouble in our life so we build deeper faith in our life, right? So there are a couple of things I learned. You'll see it up at the top of page, uh, I guess it's page three. You can deny problems. I don't have a problem. I think that's kind of the, the go-to thing for guys. I don't have problems. You have problems. God knows you have problems. I can look at you and tell you have problems, but I don't have any problems. Yeah, that's called denial. Avoidance is to flee from it. You know, I'm just not going to return that call from that collection agency for medical collections. Did that for a while. And you know the weirdest thing? Those medical collections people keep calling. It's like if I ignore them, you know, I thought this... This would be like other things. I just ignore it, it'll go away. No, if you ignore it, it gets bigger. Escaping is flight. And I did that through food. You know, I'd scan through TV looking for something to distract my thinking. Sometimes it'd be what mama would call pornographic. But, you know, I'm an adult. I can watch this. A couple of times I actually played video games until the sun shone the next day. And I thought, I'll just play video games for a while. And it'd be the next day. Last week, the World Health Organization said video game addiction is now a recognized mental disorder, just like drug addiction, because it's that powerful. And you think, really? Yep, because it's designed to control part of your thinking. Minimizing is to say, well, I'll fix this. I can fix this. I got this. Hyper-controlling is to fight it. Most guys do that with their wife and kids. They're pretty nice to other people, but to their wife and kids, the people at home, they can be pretty rough. A better choice is to flow with it. And you'll see that in Psalms 27. Because Psalms 27 is really from David's journal, King David in the Bible. And he writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David started journaling. So after all the challenges, I started going deep into God's word. And then, and I ordered this from an organization called Insight for Living. It's a prayer journal. And I started writing down the things that I was scared about. And there's little scriptures on the side of this prayer journal. And I'd read mostly James chapter 1 a lot. And I'd read the Proverbs and I'd read the Psalms. And I would remember God really is with me in crisis. See, there's, I believe there's two kinds of counselors. 
two kinds of people that give advice. The one group, they're very smart. They went to school for it, and they're well-educated, and they dress really nice, and they've got big words, and, and they're really smart. And the other group just had the hell beat out of them, and they're battle-scarred, and they had to learn it in the battlefield, right? And I'm one of those. I mean, I went to a food bank for a year to get groceries because I said, we're going to keep our kids in private school. We got scholarship assistance from the school that my kids went to because I said, I can't do this. I had to say no to some family members that were really suffering. And my spiritual father, Steve Brown, said, when you stop trying to help all these people in your family, you'll see that God will show up for them because you're not God. There is a God, you're not him. Good word, because an iron man will challenge another man with truth. How are you doing with letting people in your life to give you truth? And when you're sucking wind, like I was, it's really easy. I'll never forget, one of the richest guys that I know in Central Florida made an incredible amount of money when the Disney company came, has managed it well, knew that we were really struggling. We ended up losing our house through that. And he said, I'd like to meet you for breakfast. And I, and I knew that he, for a couple of other ministers, people in ministry, that he'd paid off their house. And I thought, man, that's great. Uh, man, I'll meet you for breakfast. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, where this is going to go. He said, tell me your story. I did. How's your marriage? You know, we're holding together. How's your faith? You know, I've got this journal I'm reading. And he said, that's great. He said, you know what? And then he reached in his pocket, pulled out his wallet. He said, you know what I want you to do? And I thought, this is so sweet. And, and he pulled out a $10 bill. Now, Rick, you know, we've been good financial managers, but the mortgage was actually a little bigger than $10. That wouldn't even cover the late fees. And he said, I want you to go to the Christian bookstore. I want you to get another workbook called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And you're going to find out how that God will carry you through this and how God will work. Not really the answer I was looking for, but I'm a person of faith. And I said, okay. And I went and got the workbook, and I started reading through. You see, God uses difficulties in our lives. This isn't difficulty. What's the little one? <laughs> so this is the difficulty. Because none of my kids had cancer. It was just money. Nobody died. Guess what? Other guys who have big medical bills have trouble keeping it all together. I just had trouble getting honest enough to tell people. I'm really struggling. And what I learned is God will allow, it seems big, but really in the scope of things, it's not once we get out of ourselves. so that I got more faith. Good trade. Good trade. So as you take a look at this, I want you to see we're replacing stress with serenity. It's an ancient prayer. When I look at stress, stress is everywhere, stress is getting worse, right? Stress is everywhere, stress is getting worse. I can tell you that whatever stress you have today, it's going to be worse tomorrow. There will never be a time or a season in your life you do not have stress. Not going to happen. Stress is more destructive than you could ever realize. Stress is more destructive than you can ever realize. Because stress will affect you on the cellular level. There's a hormone called cortisol. And when you're extremely stressed, the stress actually starts to hurt your physical body. And it hurts us in a multitude of ways. Some guys, it's cardiac, like me. For other guys, it's joints. And the more stress they feel, the more the cortisol over 
flows and the more their, their joints just ache with excruciating pain. For other guys, it's headaches that just are debilitating. Other guys, it's back pain. For other guys, because it affects us at the cellular level, it affects their skin, eczema, psoriasis, hives, shingles. You see, stress hurts our health. God never meant for us to carry it. And there is a solution for it. It's called Iron Man of God because I know that over the next couple of weeks, Josh is going to kind of guide a conversation and give you a chance to say, you know, that speaker that came, that bald guy, man, he was one screwed up dude. I guess they couldn't find anybody in the middle of summer, but he got me thinking because if he could be that screwed up and God could carry him through a tough time and make him better, I thought, well, maybe God could use my tough time and instead of making me bitter and mad and resentful and unhappy, and my life didn't go in the way I want, maybe God could use the hard times to make me have greater faith too. I hope so. Look at number five. Uh, stress for some leads to self-destructive behavior and addictions. Yeah, the most common addiction I think today that nobody talks about is prescription drug addiction. Way bigger than illegal drugs. So when we think about addictions, gambling, you know, you hear a lot about pornography, and we should. Pornography is not a victimless crime. Pornography changes brain pathways. But gambling is a nine-time bigger problem than porn. And online gambling, online everything. Because guys, remember, if I just had more money, I could fix this. And guys get lured into, well, take what money you have. And I've talked to guys that were spending two, 300 bucks a week on their credit card to buy lottery tickets because they knew if I could just get enough money, I could buy my way out of this. No, it's a game. And the gaming organizations, every time they're held legally accountable for psychologically manipulating people, because it's, it's a head game. Everything about a casino, everything about gambling, everything about porn, everything about addictive things are designed to destroy you. There's a solution. The serenity prayer is used a lot in 12-step groups because it's to say, I am powerless. I can't fix this. Oh, yeah. Stress, stress humans make it worse with drugs, alcohol, food, tobacco, but stress can be cured with serenity, right? And serenity, by the way, if you're doing the fill in the blanks in the workbook, there's an answer key on the next to last page. The reason I put in an answer key is because some of you have so much OCD that if I miss one of the fill in the blanks because I talk fast, then you're going to get mad and the whole time it'll be, I can't believe that guy did not fill in the blank. And instead of hearing anything about replacing stress with serenity and faith, all you're going to do is be mad that I didn't. So there's an answer key for all you compulsive people. Now here's the problem, Joe. All the compulsive people who now, instead of being mad at me, are going, thank God, there's an answer key. So now they're stopped listening completely so they can get their pen and fill in all the blanks. So they're going to walk out and all the blanks will be filled and the blank in their mind will not be filled. Okay, so I'm moving on. How do you do this big replacement? The opposite of serenity is boredom. It's what the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes said, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Because guess what? We're going to die. That's a happy thought on a Friday morning. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're going to die. I mean, just try that. Isn't that happy? You're a dead man walking. Psalms chapter 90 tells us to number our days. 
And when you number your days, you don't waste any. You know what? My friend Pat Williams, uh, who's the co-founder of the Orlando Magic, Pat's had multiple myeloma, blood and bone cancer for seven and a half years. And I talked to Pat every week. I remember that day, that morning when he was diagnosed vividly. We talked about how he and Ruth have 19 kids and talked about, you know, what do you do? How do you get through this? Because God's allowed me to be one of the men in his life and we talk through stuff. Now today, if you talk to Pat, and I hope you do, he will tell you I'm glad I had cancer. He's been in remission for six years. But he said it's the weirdest thing because my cancer, my cancer made my faith bigger. My cancer gave me courage in the places where I work to say, when people go, wow, Pat, heard about your cancer. Really sorry about that. How you doing? I'm in full remission. Wow, that's a miracle. No, that's God. Let me tell you about my relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. He said, cancer's been the greatest evangelistic tool that I've ever had. Pat accepted Christ when he was 28 years old. But he said, cancer? Because people can't, everybody knows somebody who's struggling with cancer, died with cancer, loved one with cancer. And he said, all I can tell him is, God healed me. My faith got bigger. You see, that's the great replacement. And so when I look at, uh, look at the chart at the bottom of page four. The serenity prayer was developed because guys, it was developed by a guy to help guys because guys sometimes think, I can't handle this. Exactly. You don't have this. You're not fine. You know what fine stands for? Because I teach a lot of crisis responders. You know, when people say, I'm fine, I'm fine. What they mean is, it just spells out an acrostic, right? Frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Right? F-I-N-E. They're fine, right? So when somebody says they're fine, what they mean is they're screwed up. And you know the guy next to you is screwed up. You've been talking to him this morning, so you know that. But here's the problem. You're more screwed up than he is, right? And we're all basket cases. That's why Jesus came to die. But when you look at that, the serenity prayer is built around courage, serenity, and wisdom. God, give me the serenity to be able to change the things I can. Give me courage. I mean, to accept the things that can't change, right? It's a replacement. Because a guy with stress says, I can control this. No, things are going to happen in your life you can't control. Things are going to happen in your life you have a hard time accepting. Why is she leaving me? Why would my son do that? Courage to change what you can. Wisdom to try to figure it out. Where do you get wisdom? James chapter 1, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Well, how do I get wisdom? Spend time in God's word. All right, so here's some lessons from the serenity prayer, page five. Surrender is essential for any form of recovery from every form of addiction. And surrender, you see this sometimes, like at Mosaic Church, sometimes in, in praise and worship, people will put their hands up. You say, what are they doing? All right, it's a form of surrender. I don't have this, God, but you have this. When an army surrenders, they put their hands up. When I surrender to God, I can't handle this. I grew up Baptist, and so you raise your hands, you know, somebody's going to come and think you need to accept Jesus and fill out the card. <laughs> so I remember the first time in the Baptist church, I raised my hand because I was so broken and so scared and so financially broke. 
Sometimes I would go to speaking events, and in the green room, they usually would have good food, and that might be the only food I ate that day. I remember once in Nashville in the green room at uh, an event at Opryland, the guy said, you must be really hungry. I said, yeah, actually, I am. Thanks. Yeah, I'm going to take a plate of this back to the room. Okay. And I can tell you this. God always provided. And the worse I felt and the more I went to Christ, the better it got. Right. It's kind of the story of Scripture. Just about every major person in the Bible lived through hard times. It made their faith greater. Wow. I wonder if God would do that for me and you. David did listen to your message about burying a son. Never had to bury a son, but a lot of my friends have. Three months ago, my dad had a stroke. My hero growing up, strongest guy I ever knew, worked three jobs to give us education. And now I help him change his diapers and help him every weekend. Just part of life, but you know what? The things that I learned to get bigger faith. Dad's having strokes. That's just part of life. It's not unusual. It's not weird. Financial problems, marriage problems, health problems. Yeah, it's life on this planet. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Be of good cheer. I overcame the world. It's a replacement. Is this how much stress you carry and this how much faith you carry? Replace it. This is how much faith I have. That's what Iron Man of God does for you. This is how much faith I have. Yeah, I got some problems. And just be honest about it. As you take a look at this, facing the reality that life is not fair. Life isn't fair. Well, it's not fair this happened. Exactly. Listen, let me tell you what a fair is. A fair is a place that you go, you show your pig and your cow, you hope to win a ribbon, you write on the Ferris wheel, eat some cotton candy, go home. That's a fair. They do it in Orange County, they do it in Osceola County, they do it in Silver Spurs. That's a fair, right? Ride the roller coaster. Life isn't fair. Exactly. That's what the Bible teaches. Well, it should be fair. Nope. The Bible doesn't teach that. Life doesn't teach that. Well, if I'm rich enough, no. I know some really wealthy people, they just have different problems. And if you win the lottery, relatives you never knew you had will show up at your doorstep and tell you, and I've learned this with, with really weird situations, the longer the story of the person that I don't know that says they're related, the bigger the lie. Longer the story, the bigger the lie. It kind of works with homeless guys in parking lots. You know, it's like, man, you know, because I always say, what's your story before I give you, you know, some money or whatever? What's your story? And they'll tell me this long story. Longer the story, the bigger the lie. This requires a lot more work. It takes work to do this. You can't do it by yourself. That's why you need other guys. But you see where it says acceptance is the key to experiencing happiness? Right? So when I take a look at this, let me give you a couple of other bullet points. Acceptance of what you cannot change protects your energy. Because if you say, God, I'm going to give you control of my life. Now, you're not in control. It protects you from worry because worry is wasted energy. Well, I'm going to worry about the stock market. I'm going to worry about the housing market. I'm going to worry if the housing bubble. Worry does not give you more energy. It steals energy. I want you to have more energy. When you accept, it keeps you from being moody. Right? Turn to somebody next to you and say, stop being so moody. I mean, because some, some guys are like little middle school girls. They just complain and whine and everything's terrible and awful. Quit being so dang moody. And if, if you think you're not moody, just ask your wife or kids. And they'll go, yeah, dad's getting honest, man. He went to that Iron Man thing and he must have found Jesus because now he realizes that he's angry and moody and it drags all of us down. 
Well, my wife is the moody one. Yeah, just, just go ahead and ask and see. Most shocking thing when I asked my kids, they went, yeah, you really are sometimes. Good to know. I can work on that. Weirdest thing happens when you realize that you're part of the problem. God can now be part of the solution. There is a God. You're not him. So as I take a look at this, courage is the key to personal change. But see, courage is needed to let go of the past regrets. Courage is required to face your secrets. We don't have any secrets. Yeah, you do. And they're probably eating you alive. Stealing a lot of energy. It leads to a lot of addictions. Weirdest thing, I've worked at three treatment centers, and a big part of it is to tell your story and to say, here's what happened in my life. See, I grew up with parents that always accepted me, told me, I, you know, God's going to use you to do great things. Some guys grew up where their dads called them horrible names. It affects you more than you know. Courage is required to surrender your agenda, to surrender your agenda. And listen to the words of Jesus on the cross. Not my will, thy will be done. Jesus surrendered. It takes courage to do that. Right? When I look at this, wisdom, right? Courage, wisdom, acceptance. That's the prayer. So the wisdom piece comes in silence and meditation, which happens faster in nature. Now, let me tell you where it does not happen. And Orlando is the number one city in the country for this. It does not happen on a golf course. You will not feel better on a golf course unless you do like I do and you do not keep score. And then it's a wonderful walk instead of a walk spoiled. But if you keep score, you're not going to feel that out of nature on a golf course. But maybe you will on a lake because sometimes you really can feel closer to God. Shh, if you'll get quiet. As I take a look at this, wisdom is fueled by reading. Yesterday I read a book called Life of the Beloved by Henry Nguyen. He was a Catholic priest in Toronto working with the street people and had some of the deepest insights about how God chose you. What if a person's had a broken life? God chose you. God has a bigger plan. Well, this isn't working out the way I want, but I wonder if that's the way God's working it out. As you take a look at this, wisdom is deepened by relationships. That's why I was so excited to come to this group and put so much work into your study guide. But see, at the bottom, wisdom is shared when we tell our story. And next week and for the next three weeks, Josh is going to lead you through telling your story. Being able to take the stress and dump that out and being able to say, I want more faith. Yeah, you're always going to have problems until you take your last breath. Dead people don't have many problems. But until you take your last breath, something will not be working out the way you want. But Scripture teaches that it will deepen your faith if you let it. I went to a Bible college, a seminary, grew up in a Christian home. But it took losing a lot of things financially and dealing with bill collectors and trying to struggle and ask for help. Well, I'm a strong man. I don't need help. If that's what you believe, then I think you are a fool. Because a fool, the Bible says, is somebody who has a hard heart. And I was a fool for a very long time because I was afraid to be vulnerable and to ask for help. And the weirdest thing happened. When I started talking to other guys, they said, man, that's nothing. Let me tell you about what we're going through. Here's what's happening with my kids. That's nothing. Let me tell you what our kids are doing. And when I could get honest, and my friends, and one of them lives right here in downtown Winter Garden, Ron Sykes, Ron was one of the people I walked through the toughest times with. We've been friends for 30 years. Robert Stewart, a city commissioner. 
Steve Brown, Pat Williams. God gave me some Christian men, and I could say, you know, trouble, and, and you don't ever want to do that with Pat. You know, one of our kids is really disappointing us, and Pat would say, we have 19 and 15 grandkids. We could fill a psychology book with problems. You want to trade? No, 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 I do not. I do not want to trade. It's like, I'm good. We're good over here. We're good. Just keep our problem. You keep, I'll keep my problem. You keep your problem. We'll all be good. Now, and I put this up there because some of you, I don't understand fishing, but look at the top of page eight. Because I put this in there for some of you because you need it. God grant me the serenity to accept the size of fish that I catch, the courage not to fib about it, and the wisdom to know that nobody will believe me anyway, right? Amen. There it is. Wisdom knows that comfort does not create character. Hardship creates character, not comfort. And look at one of the last things I want to teach you. How can you tell if you're experiencing godliness? Simple. Your bad temper goes away. Your complaining goes away. Your whining goes away. Your criticism goes away. Because you know what happens? When I'm maturing, it's called the fruits of the Spirit. When my faith has gotten bigger, this is now... This is now not full of problems. This is full of love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness, patience. I mean, even driving here this morning, because I thought it won't take that long. It took a little longer than I thought. And I was working on my patience. And there's a phrase I use when I'm driving in Orlando. And it's, Orlando traffic's a lot worse than it used to be. And the phrase that helps me when I'm really, I mean, just ticked off, I'll say, that person drives as bad as I do. And my, my wife and my kids never disagree with that. They'll go, they do drive as bad as you. They may even drive, you know, better than you, right? Are you full of patience and peace? A little bit of stress? Are you full of problems and stress and worry and fear and insecurity? You can't sleep at night. You're stuck on some addiction. You beat yourself up. You've got all this secret, all this shame. It's the great replacement. It's the great replacement. I learned a song when I was in graduate school, and I'll close with this. When no one cared about me, if I should live or die, and no one bothered asking why I'd go alone to cry, then I'd turn to see who was coming to join me in the way, and I'd see that it was my Savior, and I'd hear him gently say, lean on me when you have no strength to stand. When you feel like you're going under, hold tighter to my hand. Lean on me when your heart begins to bleed, because when you come to the place where I'm all you have, you'll find I'm all you need. Stress and worry and fear and doubt and insecurity and feeling helpless, are you full of that? Teeny bit of faith. Because I hope that you'll swap the stress for what's called serenity, of being able to say, I'm not in control. I surrender to God's control. I pray that God would give me the wisdom to figure some stuff out, the courage to change what I can, but that he'd help me to accept the things I can't change so that no matter what happens, I get more faith and I get closer to him. And then maybe when I'm so full of faith, watch this, I can pour some of that faith out to my friends, my brothers who are going through hard times. And their faith will grow and they'll pour some faith out. That's not... That's not called church. That's called community. That's Iron Man. I learned about my faith so I could pour some faith out to help you, to help the next guy. So instead of sharing stress, we're sharing the peace of how Jesus Christ carried us through a tough time. In fact, let's pray for that. Lord God, thank you for these friends.
Thank you for the chance to be here. Thank you, God, that just like Pat said, I'm glad for cancer. I'm glad that we struggled so much because now I can look back 20 years later and see, God, how you carried us. My faith grew, not something I learned in a school, something I learned on the streets. And maybe today somebody needed to hear this or they'll watch the video later and they'll do the big replacement. I'm not going to carry the stress anymore. I'm going to replace that for the serenity and the peace and the faith that Jesus Christ has got this. And I am not alone and I don't have to be afraid, God. That's what I pray for these friends as we carry our faith to the marketplace today and share what we learned with others. And I pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Bless you guys.